For some context, because just because we are aware doesn't mean all of our listeners are aware. The last two and a half weeks, I think, Vero Ish. and me traveled from Dublin to Birmingham to London to Rome and then to our respective homes. And when we started this trip, I was sick. And when we ended this trip, Vero was sick. And she still is. So for a change, she's going to sound like shit and I'm going to sound pretty normal. But since this comes out before the episodes that we recorded before, <laughs> in the future, I will sound like shit and Vero is going to sound great. So you're welcome. Timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly. Mm, the context. Yes. And... Our trip started with going to Birmingham to Lux 2 to meet, we didn't really believe it, but it did happen, most of the cast of Lucifer, which we obviously covered all six seasons for. And everyone who listened to us knows that we have created, collected and taken care of an amazingly long list of questions. Very, very, very long list of questions. And so we were hopeful that we would be able to ask many, many of those questions. Spoiler, we did get to ask way more questions than we will be talking about today. There will be another episode. There will be more. But because we literally just came back this week from our total trip, total trip, <laughs> it is not this episode. So this episode, we talk about the, I think, nearly 30 questions that we managed. 26, 27, maybe? Nearly 30, see, that we managed to get asked to ask ourselves in panels, in fan meets, in the meet and greet, in autographs. Our friends helped us. Shout out to our friends who asked questions for us. And so we were we were busy. We were very busy this entire weekend of Lux 2. Oh, I was exhausted. Thing. And I am very proud of us because we answered some of the most important questions. We settled several of our arguments. We did not settle others. <laughs> we incited feuds between actors. Well, we didn't, but we kind of did. But also it was great. <laughs> and with no further ado, I say, let us get into it. Obviously, because we're us, we're going to go through the questions that we asked chronologically. Mm -hmm. And so, Vero, would you get us started with the first question? So, throughout the weekend, as Lina said, we have asked questions at any possible moment. And I had the opportunity to talk to Joe Henderson, one of the two showrunners that have been at the con, along with Ildi Modrovic, and a surprise guest, Mike Costa, as one of the big producers and writers for the show. If you listen to the pod, you know his name. And I asked Joe if they had an onset consultant therapist, because as we have mentioned throughout the podcast, a lot of the things and a lot of the approaches that we were taking felt very professional and very good. So his answer was no. However, in his own words, absolute majority of them have been going to therapy previously or at the time of writing. So they had loads of experience to reach out to. And that's why it feels so natural and so well handled. I really love that answer. Like, seriously, it was like, no, we didn't have an expert, but nearly every <laughs> one of us is or was in therapy. And I'm like, yay, therapy mm -hmm. for everyone. 
So obviously this was one of the very first questions that we wrote down and we're still in season one. And during our meet and greet, we had DB Woodside come to our table. And so obviously we also had questions for DB. And one season one question was, what is the goat story of a mana deal that gets mentioned or hinted at? Sadly, DB did not really have an answer to this. He basically stated that it's some obscure Bible reference, but he never really got it. From what I read between the lines, he is not really that familiar with Bible stories. So he was like, don't really know, can't really say anything, you have to ask Joe and DLD. We did not get the chance to ask this question for Joe and DLD because we had other questions we considered more important for the two of them. Indeed. So, speaking of the fun meets, we're now gonna fast forward to season three because we did have some season two questions. Those will not get answered to you today, but they will get answered. Spoilers! <laughs> So, in season three, episode four, and I love to start every single question that I asked Tom Ellis with a specific episode because it would send him and I really enjoyed them. It was so fucking funny. And we did not only do this to Tom Ellis, but we did this in several fan meets. And whenever we went, so, in season six, episode eight, people would be like, huh? It was so fucking funny. I absolutely mm. love this. I love our specific... Specificity or specificity. However. Specificity. That's totally a word. I, I said a word. I don't care. That is now a word. That is our word because it describes us perfectly. Yeah. But this is actually the first interaction with Tom that we had. Yes. So uh, we had him sit down at our table. Between Vero and me. It actually ended up being he was sitting ne between the two of us because we were kind of rotating the guest seat around the table. So it happened that Tom Ellis was sitting between me and between myself and Lena. Yes. <sighs> I felt slightly sorry for him, but like also I did not, definitely not. <laughs> and as he sat down, we were talking about having the podcast and asking a lot of very obscure questions. And it was actually after obviously talking to the rest of the people at the table that it's okay to ask these questions. So uh, we, <laughs> I started my question. So in season three, episode four, and he just bent over laughing because it's something that people don't always exactly remember but if you all remember it is the episode where tom as lucifer uh, basically starts a little wheat farm and has kids he doesn't run the wheat farm yeah. it's a it no 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 it's a like it's a, a for it's a, like, youth, a, like a wheat problematic yeah. no it's for problematic use and everything and 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 he turned them onto something what's the word productive which is has to do with wheat however at one point he rides in on a horse with the biggest joint of his life I've ever seen in my life. And Chloe asks him, what are you doing with the horse? When I was explaining this question, Tom Ellis immediately gone, what horse? And the entire table died. Which we really, really hoped he would go for. I asked Tom about the horse because I have remembered that he mentioned somewhere in an interview that there's a story about the horse. So he said that after getting rejections, Tom applied for a role where it was simply assumed that he knew how to ride. So when it came up, he said, of course, even though he had only ridden a donkey before that. He did get the job and decided to go to Edinburgh for a crash course which in his own words was truly a crash course mm -hmm. about riding. And then we were then being of stupid. Of course. I was being stupid. 
Lina, Lina decided to take it to the next innuendo level because of who she is as a person. Also because he he was sitting between the two of us and he said that it was very difficult and it was a crash course because and he was not like sitting under the table. So he was leaning back and he was looking down and he was like, because you're using muscles you're not used to. And so, of course, my brain goes to stupid, stupid areas and I say something along the lines, well... Depends on what other things you're used to riding. And thankfully, we have great friends who save situations that I put us in. Um, and so one of our friends on the table goes like, motorbikes. She totally means motorbikes. Uh, and so, yeah, um, it did not stop there. But Tom also did all the innuendos throughout the entire weekend, not just with us, but with many, many people and many, many questions. So in retrospect, I did not feel as bad. No, no. Also, this is a moment where his kids weren't around. So it was way more acceptable <laughs> than when he started throwing innuendos around during a panel when his kids were in the backstage. Which was so wild. It was very well, but also, I mean, they were not listening at all or caring. Oh, oh yeah, they were listening and cringing. It was very, very entertaining. So, yeah, we are continuing with Tom because we did not only have the meet and greet. We also had autographs. And where was this one in autographs? Season three, episode 17. Why did Lucifer never have a pet shark? Because it is stated in this episode that he always wanted one. And Tom is a very good actor when it comes to having an understanding of his character. So he made up a reason on the spot. It's very simple because he never had an aquarium. Exactly. Then he insinuated something about season seven. That maybe that's what they bring season seven there was also talk about a Lucifer movie all the time, like many, many jokes, like six seasons of the movie. So I don't really think we're going to get a movie, but it was a constant thing that came up on several occasions. Yes, it was quite nice. So with the last episode question for season three, we have talked to Trisha Helfer. And Trisha is embodying two... I love both the characters, so I'm going to say two beloved characters... Mum uh, and Charlotte and the gist of the question was why did Charlotte leave the show was there a character reason behind it or were they just tying up her arc if Trisha had other acting commitments and etc and Trisha's answer was a little bit longer even yes. than we have written down <laughs> it was very rich but the gist of it was that she was originally signed on for one season only as mom. Just mom, yeah. Just mom, yeah. But they did love her and her presence so much that they came up with a way to keep her around by bringing Charlotte back. Which, thank you so much, because Charlotte is such an incredible character. But this is season three we're talking about. Yeah. It's the last season on Fox. So with the show getting cancelled and the lawyer character that Charlotte was not being really a pivotal one. They decided to give her character arc a nice and neat ending. I love that she said nice and neat because killing Charlotte and sending her to heaven. I mean, yeah, neat maybe. Nice? <laughs> we have still not recovered. I am quite sure that she mentioned something about having the best death scene in the entire show and I am there with her. Well, in that fan meet, you were still in denial. You were like, oh, oh no, Charlotte, this is where the dogs go. <laughs> yeah, up north on a farm with Dan. 
And all the puppies. Yep. It was a very funny. In general, Trisha was an absolute gem, I have to say. The last time I saw her, she was at a convention where she was incredibly jet lagged. But Mm. here she was so relaxed, despite having recent knee surgery. Like she had Uh, she she had her surgery in uh, at the beginning of December. She was talking about that. Yeah. So she was still like wearing a knee brace and like being careful with her knee and everything. But spirit wise, she was absolutely brilliant and absolutely lovely I really really enjoyed every single interaction that we had with her yeah same we also obviously had general season 3 questions two of them we managed to ask both of them we asked uh, to Joe and Ildi one we asked in a fan meet and it was I think we asked yes we asked us in a fan meet and that is of course the amount of eyeliner and if there was any deliberation behind the amount of it to showcase the honesty or vulnerability or his level of detachment or pretension or anything. And their reply was absolutely hilarious because of course that was the reason why it changed. Absolutely. It has nothing to do with anyone thinking it looked silly. Not at all. Nobody should ever think that. Yes, and definitely it was not Tom's thinking or at all. No. Whatsoever. No. No. Yes. no clashing between writers and actors at all. Well, I mean, Joe also said that sometimes writers put something on the page and then actors make something else out of it. But we're going to talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting to another season three general question that we have asked via proxy through our friend. And that is, do angels have fingerprints? Because Lucifer literally just walks around, touches everything all the time. So uh, I believe Joe gave this answer. And basically it was no, unless they decide they do. It is something that they <laughs> considered playing around with because you know it is just so prominent on the screen but ended up not going for it because it would just make things extremely complicated and I kind of get that but I also love the way Joe and Ildi answer stuff because it's like no unless we want to or yes unless it became stupid and it's just so fucking perfect I love them so much just to mix it up a little bit I'm gonna do another one Woo! We are now in season four and one of the added last minute guests for this convention was Scarlett Estevez, who plays Trixie. First time ever at a con. So happy. It made me so happy because she is now 15 or freshly 16. So she is grown up enough to be able to, you know, exist in this environment for a certain amount of time at least and to a certain amount of extent and also being able to answer some of our questions. So uh, the first one that we aimed at her was during the babysitting by Mace when Trixie was still angry at her (laughs) and before Mace apologized, what did Trixie do? And Scarlett gave us a great answer. She said it would definitely be a silent treatment. She said she would stare Mace down for the entire time and then just when it's time for Mace to leave, she would run into her room and smash the door behind her and just not say a word, which Honestly, that is extremely Trixie vibe. So yes, thank you. And it would also torture Mace the most because anything else would be too close to the normal torture that Mace mm-hmm. is used to. But this would be by far the worst possible treatment. So I also fucking love that answer. We are already leaving season four behind because we had so many questions and most of our questions were season five and season six. And we kind of wanted to get in as many of those as possible. So 
In season five, episode two, we remember Lena, me, hyperfixating about a throwaway line of Ella. And Vero not really feeling it, but I was very much into it and I fought for this question and Vero let me ask it. And so that was, of course, when Ella dreams and she wakes up and she mutters, Aragorn, that's not your sort. Amy talked a lot when we asked this question. We only managed to write down some core points that she told us. But basically, the line is ad-libbed. Because Amy was always trying to put a bit more substance and context into Ella. Because Ella is a side character. And so naturally she does not get as much focus as any of the mains. And so in this scene she knew that the camera would go from her to Tom. And so she just added the line because it felt natural. As to what exactly the dream was about. She did not really go into the Aragorn or sword part. But instead she talked a bit more broadly about a fantasy world and centaurs. So, um, yeah, I did not want to double down because her answer was great and long. And so, yeah, ad-libbed like many other moments, apparently, that Ella did. So, yay. Okay, now we are getting to season five, episode three. And it is an episode, Diablo, written by Mike Costa. Who was there? We didn't know it. We did not know that until the opening ceremony. We lost our fucking mind because so at star fury it always works the same way opening ceremony sean who runs everything introduces all the guests one by one onto the stage and he goes he goes in front of the crowd and he starts talking like yeah the first guest and he's been a producer and like he also writes comics and we're like "Uh, what um and it was we were a bit like okay is he like making fun of joe like, what is happening? And then he goes, my casa! And we fucking lost our shit. And so, obviously, we have questions for Mike. And we managed to ask a few. Only one made it in this list. The other questions that we ask him are gonna be in the future. Mm-hmm. So, he has written this episode. He has had a lot of fun with this episode, turns out. And <laughs> we asked him during the meet and greets to give us some background and not just him but also Joe and Ildi who were there at the same time. So basically Mike joked about writing this kind of a meta episode and he joked about it so much that Joe one day sat him down and said you need to write this. <laughs> Which so, is so great. <laughs> Mike was like okay and so he did but what they had to do they actually had to remove some of the jokes because they were so a lot that they didn't (laughs) want to make anybody angry and wanted to kind of make sure you know they mentioned today a number of years later people would laugh about it probably but at the time you know it was still an ongoing project so so they didn't want to ruffle any feathers so decided to tone it down a little bit but there is a lot of that episode that is based on the actual cast and crew and a lot of the things heightened obviously that has happened on our variation of that so that was actually a very 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 fun little tidbit that we've gotten that we've got to hear from them i love that the diablo episode is toned down because it's so over the top like just imagine how much wilder it would have been if they didn't tone it down so that yep. was just like damn i kind of would love to uh see take a glimpse on the original script yeah hint hint you know, mike mike wink wink the first draft or something i mean yeah. it turned out fucking perfect but it also makes you wonder oh yeah 
exactly. And in general, I love shit that just starts out as a joke. And then it's like, wait, actually, we really should be doing this. And then you're like, oh, well, uh, mm-hmm. hmm, curse me at my funny bone or something. <laughs> we stay in season five and we go back to DB because we had more than one question for DB. And so we asked this in a fan meet, pretty sure. Episode 10 is the bloody karaoke jam. And one of the things we were wondering was, was Amenadiel aware what was going on? Or was he as oblivious as the humans? And DB gave a very concise answer. He didn't know what was going on. He was as oblivious as everyone else, as the humans. So there you go. He didn't know what was happening. Which brings us to uh, the other question on our list for this episode. And this is a question that we had a beef about. And that we asked twice. We did ask it twice because Lina was not happy with the first answer. No, I wasn't, obviously, because what was the first answer? Well, the first answer sided with me. So to the question first, is Wicked Game at the beginning of the musical episode part of the effect that dad has or does Lucifer simply play the piano in the middle of the night and sing? So we first asked this Tom at autographs and he said, oh no, Lucifer just gets up in the middle of the night due to feeling emotions and then he plays and sing, which is what I said, that it all starts with him just, you know, bursting with the emotion, trying to work through it, because I'm the kind of a person who would do that as well. So I can empathize with that. And so obviously, because Vero got proven right by Tom, I totally could not let it stand. So luckily for me, we had a fan meet after the autograph session with Joe and Dildy. And so I seized my opportunity and I was like, ah, Tom is just the actor. I'm gonna ask the person behind the scenes. Boo! And so I asked Joe and I asked him the same question. And Joe said, yes, it was also part of Dad's effect. And I was like, yay! And then obviously Vero told him that Tom saw this very differently. And Joe said, now you have created a feud. And went on to explain how great it is that sometimes like a writer will put something on the page with a specific intention and then what a good actor makes out of it and how it becomes even greater than what the writer had initially intended. So both of us get vindicated, but I fear in the end how it is supposed to come across is how Vero read it. But in the beginning, it was intended as I thought it should be. And I feel like we can live with that. We can live with that, yes. I was the intention, you're the reality. Weirdly enough, yes, I am more to the ground. Yes, yes. The next okay. one is definitely your question because you asked this. So. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So we are moving on to episode 13 of season 5, where... Tom, as Lucifer, learns a lot of new skills and about most of them he just speaks, but he is showcasing to us on screen that he can now make a honey whiskey sour. Well, can he though? Because if you remember this episode, Vero was adamant that he doesn't. His skills seemed a little questionable, so I was trying to phrase it so it doesn't come across too harsh towards him as a person. However, yeah, his bartending 
skills are definitely not up to snuff. He laughed about this. We also rephrased the question, I feel like, five times to make oh, sure yeah. we didn't come oh, yeah. across so, too rough. <laughs> you know what? I will actually read out what we ended up going with. I think I have paraphrased it a little bit when I did ask it, but the gist of it was, since Lucifer has an amazing bar and I am a bartender myself, which is True, at least it was in the past. I was wondering how much personal experience you had before coming on Lucifer, if they gave you any classes or how the process of making cocktails was. For example, your honey whiskey sour in season five. So I also managed to point out the continuity issue with the cocktail yeah. uh, during the scene. So he laughed about that. He was actually on stage with Scarlett and Amy at the same time. So they all laughed about that. <laughs> But Tom mentioned that he has not had any bartending classes. He did not have any bartending experience. However, he did work in a pub when he was young, pulling pines, which in his opinion is also a skill because when you pull on it, you just have to get the head just right. And they started making the, the whole pulling uh, gestures because, you know, if you look at the, especially the older, older taps in uh, English pubs or Irish pubs or whatever, it's basically the same thing. There are these very big, thick pieces of wood. Wooden. Yeah. Very phallic. Very phallic. Very phallic. Very phallic. I mean, obviously it was invented by men, so it had to be. Because men like to touch phallic things. Uh, they love to put phallic into everything. No, it was that was one of the moments where his kids, or at least one of his kids, was behind the stage listening to everything he was saying. And it was like, Tom, what are you doing? And seriously, everyone was fucking dying as he kept talking about giving great head and making that hand gesture. It was... And that was the moment I stopped feeling bad about my innuendo in the meet and greet. Yeah. Because I was I like, was, okay. I was just holding on for my dear life to the, to the little <laughs> table where you ask questions and try not to fall over laughing, crying. Because it was so good. The moment was great. Also, we have found out that Trixie has learned her bartending skills. She is definitely much better at this than Lucifer. And she learned from both Lucifer and Mace. We also learned that Amy's bartending skills are terrible and she only drinks straight tequila. Well, to each their own, tequila is a no for me. So to wrap up season five, we asked one base season five question. And that was obviously one of mine because me and the lore behind everything. I wanted to know who defended heaven in the Luciverse, if it was Amenadiel or if it was Michael or if it was the two of them together. And I asked Joe this and he was very clear. It was definitely Amenadiel because Michael is more of the whisper guy. Yes, Ames is more the angel of the action. Yes, and he is the best warrior and everything. So here I have my answer. Not a surprise, but I like to get confirmation. Mm -hmm. So we go into season six and obviously one of my biggest gripes about the beginning of season six was that we see Michael cleaning hell with a toothbrush and then there's nothing else that comes off it. Mm -hmm. And we talk about this in the other thing also a bit, but I asked this specific question and I got my answer, which is that Michael needs 
to work through his punishment to earn the possibility that he may one day get a chance like everyone else. Basically, Michael was so bad that before he gets a chance at redemption, he needs to put the work in. And that is why we see him clean the floor with a fucking toothbrush. And you know what? Actually, I really like this answer because it gives me the feeling that he's not just being thrown away, that he just needs to work more, which makes sense because he was a terrible, 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 terrible person. And that suggests how these things might be working for human souls as well. Yeah. So speaking of this specific scene in season six, episode two, we get that moment just after we see Michael where we learn that apparently Dan is the one human that ever came close to killing Lucifer. Came the closest, yeah. The Came, came the closest, which left us stumped because we all remember Malcolm. Yep. So we wonder, did they remember Malcolm or did they forget? And Ildi actually said that they would have, that they did not forget him. They would have loved to have him back. But unfortunately, the actor is very good and therefore very busy. And they were not able to get him back for the shooting. He was not available. Dan did get very close. So they chose to go with him. And it also gave them like a great opportunity to wrap everything up nicely. But most importantly, they did not forget Malcolm. It was a timing issue. And I was ecstatic about that. So yes. So before we move over to one bigger question again, there is a one tiny little bit about unreleased music that we found out. I was wondering where they find their unreleased music. Unfortunately, Ildi wasn't able to tell me that because they had absolutely incredible music producers, as we all know. And this is a question that would be better aimed at them. But sadly, I don't think we will ever have a chance to speak to those people, so... You never know. The answer is because we had the best team possible, which, yeah, they apparently really did in many, many levels. So that was really nice. We're going to be sneaky, sneaky, because we also managed to ask a question to someone who wasn't at Lux, Mm -hmm. because Kevin Alejandro was supposed to be at Lux. So we actually wanted to talk about this episode, season six, episode nine, with Kevin, but sadly Kevin cancelled. But luckily for us, a week later, we were at a different event where Rob Benedict was a guest. And since he is in the same episode, I was like, "Ah, let's just paraphrase the question a bit and ask him that. And so I queued for the panel with Rob Benedict and I asked him, how was it for him to be playing Dan in the episode that was directed by Kevin? And Rob talked about, he talked very highly about Kevin in general. Um, And basically, he watched a lot of Kevin's acting and he had him right there. So he had the direct input for everything, how to do what, if he had any questions. And he really, really enjoyed doing that episode, even though he plays a horrible, horrible character. And he joked a lot in his panel about himself playing evil characters who kills beloved characters in the final season of a show. Since it has happened twice now. Mm-hmm. So that was very cute because he's so nice, but he plays such horrible people. Rob is such a sweetheart. I love him so much. And I actually, I have this folder and it's a paper folder specifically because I put my photo ops in it and I sometimes don't have a thing to have people sign. So what I do if I don't have a specific thing, I have the person sign the folder. And I had Joe and Ildi and Mike 
all signed it from the outside and I put the podcast sticker on top of it as well but there is a lot of supernatural people on the inside so I came up to Rob at autographs and I was like listen I have all of these supernatural people on the inside but I also have all the Lucifer writers on the outside so choose your poison wherever you would like to sign sign please and Rob signed on the outside right next to our podcast sticker and the thing that sends me the most was that he wrote down his name he wrote down to veronica and then he put down vincent lemek and then he looks at me and says that's my character's name <laughs> and i'm like i am aware i've seen the show then <laughs> we both just started laughing and i left and then obviously i forgot that i had a spare sticker no 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 no, no. before him. before you left Oh, my God. I was two people behind Vero, and one of our friends was in between the two of us. And the friend goes, well, also, she has a podcast about the show. And Vero was already leaving at this point. And mm -hmm. so uh, he's like, oh, really? And, and so it, my turn comes. I was like, yeah, and I'm the other person on that podcast. And so this is why I asked you the question earlier in the panel. And we covered all of them. And last week we were at Lux and blah, 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 blah. Like talking very, very fast. But obviously, neither Vero nor me thinking about, well, we actually could give him one of the fucking Tawad stickers that we have for Lucifer. But because we have friends, we managed to give him one. So we were very happy. Yeah, he seemed very very excited about it he was like oh my god thank you this is so great so uh, yeah love that love it was that. so cool yeah the last episode specific question that we had for season six that we asked in this setting was of course for the finale and we had to ask db what kind of shoes does a mana god wear because obviously dad wore sandals and socks with sandals and that is a very very <laughs> bad thing and db agreed with us that socks with sandals is a very big no-no and he was being very clear that amenagod is wearing something very solid on his feet like timberlake boots or like boots in general so there you go now you know that's what amenagod wears ah yes so because we are now at the end of the show and uh, everybody is divine and everybody knows about divine, we were wondering, asking Scarlett, how was Trixie's life after the finale happened and when or how she did learn about the divine and what was her reaction to it? So Scarlett's reply wasn't exactly answer to our question, but I feel like she has been asked a variations of this multiple times because I did hear her basically replying the same thing in a panel later on. Ah. Um, it feels like she just heard a few things and she's like, oh, I've asked, answered this before. I know how to what to say. So according to Scarlet, Trixie probably wasn't too shocked by uh, the whole divinity. According to her, it wasn't scary and she never thought Lucifer was a bad guy even though he is supposedly the devil. She never saw him as the devil. To her, he was just Lucifer, the guy that my mom loves. So uh, kind of a, a little bit of a wider answer there, but still very, very nice. I had not realized that basically some of her questions would be asked by other people as well. Mm. And so this is definitely one of the questions that other people had as well. And I only realized after a certain while, I was like, ah, oh, damn, we should have like gone throw this and be like okay is this an obvious question or is this a very specific us question because our specific questions came on great like the reaction from most of the guests when we ask our so in season x episode why in the scene la 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 this this happens why did you whatever the reaction usually was kind of funny um or appreciative so i i 
was very, very happy with our questions. Um, sorry, short, short detour. <laughs> the last Lucifer season specific question that we asked was for Ildi and Joe. That was about when the idea of Rory was conceived and specifically like as a grown up with the time traveling and what their plan was before they had Rory because initially they were only supposed to be five seasons and then when they were already in season five they got season six greenlit and everything and the answer was very very long and we tried to write down as much as we could <laughs> so I hope we summarize it correctly basically they came up with what we see as the season six ending for season five and they loved their ending and then they were told that they were getting another season and they were like, no, we don't need another one. We don't want another one. We have everything nicely done. But then they realized that all the problems that they had, like how can we have our characters earn this ending, would be solved by having another season and having Rory come in. And on top of that, Joe absolutely loves time travel. So timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly, edit in there as well. And he kind of wanted Lucifer to become his father. So Rory being abandoned by her father, something that Lucifer could never imagine doing himself, but within the setting of season six, making sense and working. This is how all of this came to be. And yeah, so there you have your answer. This is why Rory is as Rory is and why we get it in the way we did. Mm-hmm. We're going to move on to a couple of questions that we uh, kind of worked through as we were at Lux. There is always going to be more questions. I'm not going to lie. Having a conversation with all of these people was absolutely incredible. And yeah. the most obvious question for Jeremiah Birkett, who plays Mr. Mr. Set Out, bitch. bitch, or Lee, or whatever you want to call him, was, did you know that Lee was coming back or at which point did you know you were coming back and this is a question that has been answered by him multiple times and it was answered kind of side-handedly by Joe and Ildi as well at certain points but so it was kind of interesting seeing the multiple points of view and from Jeremiah himself he did not know that Mr. SOB would be coming back but by season 3 he was kind of getting an idea that it might be a thing <laughs> so he started to expect the call which actually kind of ties in really nicely with what Joe said later on where he was talking about loving that everybody loving Jeremiah and his sense of humor yeah. and the way he kind of interacted with everybody on set and that's why he decided to bring him back and just make it a shtick because he's always enjoyed something like that but when they were kind of going through the seasons around season three or maybe even four, they realized that they could take this, incorporate it into the story that they're trying to tell and make it more and make his historic arc actually important and relevant, which I think that they did an absolutely incredible job in that because I do end up caring for this random dude that shows up in a jewelry heist in season two. And I really enjoyed where they brought him as a character. And when we then see him last... I could hear that. Fucking small dick assholes. Um, when we I see saying? him last? When we see him last, we leave him in uh, the good place, you know? <laughs> and it's something that's quite significant for the show as well, because 
we are watching not just Lucifer and Lucifer, but Lucifer being the most important one, going through being shallow and, you know, all of the classic Luciferish behaviors at the beginning brought to way more wholesome type of a being that is happier with themselves and you know, having a future. Also, Lee is basically the blueprint for future hell. Yes, that's another thing. He is the first alpha test, basically, on how with a gentle amount of guidance someone is able to face their own issues work through Mm -hmm. them and then ascend to the next level basically so without Lee and without Lucifer having this experience the end also would have been more out of nothing with just the therapy that Lucifer received and so it all worked out very very well and also Jeremiah was an absolute joy to meet I really have to say I enjoyed every single interaction with him He was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Agreed. To kind of keep on going with the questions that were just parts of the experience rather than pre-planned things. When we talked to Trisha during her fun meet, we asked her about her favorite show to she ever worked at. And she did speak very, very fondly of Battlestar Galactica. Vero did tell her that it's okay if it's not Lucifer, that we would still love her. It was very cute. Did I say that or did somebody else say that? You say that. You said that. Okay. Yeah, because you asked this at the meet and greet. And you were like, okay, so what was your favorite show to work at? And it's totally fine if it's not Lucifer, we will understand. Yeah. It was very cute. It was not Lucifer. (laughs) She did speak very fondly of Lucifer as well, but she uh, talked about Battlestar and how they are still a family to this day and they do keep in touch even though and even though she knows all the Lucy cast are really good people they, and they do still see each other once in a while it's just not the same it's not as intense and it's more like Battlestar Galactica is her family like her closest family so uh, it's very nice seeing her speak so fondly of both of the crews and it is absolutely understandable that Battlestar would be the one that she chooses because it was her first acting job and it was monumental at that. And it was much longer, right? Like she was much longer involved in there. It was a longer job and it was a bigger job for her as well. The work that she's done playing a six, especially since it's her first acting job, is outstanding. Okay, and... One more thing that I managed to ask her very, very briefly, because she is featured on the second season of podcast called The Bridgewater. I just uh, briefly asked her what was her favorite part of working on that. She has shared that she only worked one day on this and she did all of her work with Misha Collins in a studio and it was absolutely incredible and she really, really enjoyed to work with him specifically there. On the flip side, a week later, I managed to talk to Misha as well during his meet and greet and I asked him I told him what Trisha said and his first reaction was well it was her only time that she was working on the show so I guess it makes sense that it's her favorite but he did speak very very well of Trisha as well he said that she was very very good to work with but unfortunately not his favorite time because his very very close friend directed season two so the fact that he got to work with him was slightly higher on the appreciation list. I also was involved in some of the non-specific or more spontaneous questions and there's a reason why I prefer to prepare stuff because when I don't prepare stuff I tend to make an idiot out of myself. Because so we were talking to Amy and Amy got to hang out with Sarah Michelle Geller who plays Buffy 
And she shared a brilliant, brilliant fucking story about it. I didn't realize how close the two of them are in age to each other. So me commenting on how great Sarah looks for her age. Maybe mm-hmm. not the greatest thing. But basically, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Amy Garcia are now BFFs. And Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I, but I, I, I didn't say that there, but I didn't know they were this close in age. And Amy does not look as old as Sarah, despite the fact that Sarah looks younger than she is. Yep. So I did not know that Amy was this old. I'm sorry. It's okay. I think we all all gonna survive this moment, but you know, it's fine. Ah, uh, it's the cringe. <laughs> it's it's. It's the cringe and that's a crazy ex-girlfriend song. Because of course it fucking is. Yes! And we're going to close it up with a little hint of what's to come for one of the actors. So uh, Scarlett Estevez is a busy, busy bee. And at her young age, she is already working on something quite big. And she is working on producing a movie. Based on a book. Is based on a book. And she loves this book. She uh, really, really wants to see it on screen. She did not share what book it is, but she did say that it's very, very good and we will love it. And she also mentioned after being asked that people are telling her that she should probably play the main character. So uh, in the end of the day, she's another day older and she will produce a fucking movie based on a book, hopefully. So fingers fucking crossed. She might even star in it. And she is currently in contact with the author as well. So that is all very exciting. And I can't wait what she's going to bring us because she is very talented and very, very mature for her age. So... I'm very excited. This concludes our questionnaire, but we could keep talking for hours about all of our experiences at Lux. And I'm pretty sure there will be stories that pop up in the cuts, in the bonus material in future episodes, because we'll be like, oh, do you remember? Do you you remember? remember? (laughs) Um, And shit like that. But... All in all, we waited a very, very long time for Lux 2 to happen. This was supposed to happen back in the early times of 2020. It got moved so many times. We kind of had lost the belief that it would actually happen. And only once we were actually there did we really believe it's happening. And then we got to meet all these lovely people. We got to talk to many of them. Like I said before, we have something else that it's going to come out soon. I would keep your eyes peeled on our feet if I were you because it's going to be incredible and I'm very, very, very excited. The weekend was amazing. It was great to meet the fellow Lucy fans. There were Mm -hmm. some amazing cosplays that we saw. There were some great people. There were other great questions that were asked. The parties were great. Seriously, it's been a while since we had that full parties and party happy people. It was so great. I really, really enjoyed that weekend so much. And I can't wait for Lux Free because there's going to be a Lux Free. And supposedly it's going to be a game and con. So... Sean is just catering to our podcast at this point. Apparently. Because uh, obviously we are writing down questions for Good Omens. We have more questions for Lucifer that 
need answers still because as you might know our questionnaire is nearly 90 questions and I think with the freshly added ones that we just came up with on the spot we're advancing towards 100 and so yeah there's more to come Lucifer is going to be a part of our podcast for a while yet but to end the Lucifer content here as mentioned in the intro we traveled quite a bit and from Birmingham we went to London because it was easier to fly from London to Rome where we needed to go next and since we were already in London we were like ah you know they filmed something here that we're covering with our podcast what, what is that what what was it it's it's this obscure show um i think it's called <laughs> like bad omens or something yeah no wait wait that mm, good riddance Good, good predictions, like something, yeah. Yeah, so something like that. Vero already knew like most of the locations that you can actually go to. And so we went to all of those locations as much as possible because we only literally had one afternoon. Because we are us, so we already had plans for the evening because we had to we had to go to theatre. I mean, come on. Obviously, when in London. Exactly. And we took several pictures that as soon as Vero feels a tiny bit more stable, she will make beautiful comparisons. Comparisons. Yeah. So instead of us talking a lot about the time in London, you will see pictures. Very unusual for a podcast, I know. <laughs> so yeah, make sure that you follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. Because, because we're very active there. Well, we were before we left for Rome and then we arrived in Rome and everything went out of the window. So this ends the official podcast content part of this episode. From now on, we might talk a bit, for as long as Vero's voice holds out, about Rome, about the week, about the reason you did not get this right after Lux, because Indeed. we were busy. We did not have time. We There literally was no time to edit, to upload, to do anything. Because we traveled right to the next event. And we had commitments there. I had committed to show a friend through all of Rome. And I did. Because well done, by the way. I, I dragged her through the entire town so much that both her feet had blisters. Because I made her walk that much. She broke her. Yes, but she loved everything about it. We yeah. had to try out new restaurants. I had to go visit one of my friends in Rome because it was my third time in Rome, actually. So I obviously had to go and hang out with one of my friends in one of the only proper metal bars that I found in Rome. And it was absolutely hilarious because I took some of our friends with us who all are not metalheads, but it was very funny. <laughs> also, I'm an idiot and I hadn't realized that Mardi Gras is a thing because in Germany we have carnival. We don't call it yeah. Mardi Gras. We, we also have carnival in Czech, yeah. Yeah. And so in Germany we have Carnival Tuesday, which is the fu fucking same thing as Mardi Gras. And we're running through Rome on the fucking Tuesday. And huh, why is there so much confetti lying on the street? Why is everybody partying so oh. much? Yeah, and then we go to the bar and friends of my friend come in in full costumes. And oh it's like, God. what is happening? Is it carnival or what? Dude, it's Mardi Gras. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah, of course, it's fucking Mardi Gras. So that was... Just the first day of arriving in Rome. That just happened on the first day. Yeah. On the day we landed in the morning. Yeah. What I did was I dragged my shit around, went to find food with them. And then I went to my own Airbnb and slept for 14 hours. Yep. 
like I said, I was sick when we started traveling, but I was already like on the mend, basically. So I'm now uh, trying to not get chronic in my uh, coughing shit. But that'll be quite handy, especially for the podcast. Oh, I mean, come on, a bit coughing and sniveling on the podcast. Nobody minds that. Especially not you when you edit. Yes, my ears are still bleeding. Ah, get over it. I I also edit you, so we, we do this <laughs> to each other. But Vero started getting sick when we were traveling, and it was really, really bad. But, ah, we had to power through, and we did power through. So the first two days, I did not really have much of Vero. Mm. So instead, I uh, busied myself with other people. Yes, I have other friends besides Vero. I know, it's it's wild. I know, but I don't have other, other friends besides Lina. Actually, that is not that's true. not true. That is because not true. then my friends arrived and joined yep. me at the Airbnb. And then they helped me make a cosplay where I created a big shield, soldier boy shield from the boys. I don't know if you've seen this little show. And then over the period of, of the couple of evenings, I have made a headpiece. I have glued it all together. I painted the whole thing. I paraded it around Rome for a bit, trying to move it from the Airbnb to the Con Hotel. And by Saturday morning... I I had it all done and ready for my photo op and I have not definitely not been told by at least three people independently on top of each other that I look like a giant vagina. Vulva, but yes. Yeah, well, as they said vagina. Well, one person said vulva and the rest of them said vagina. Well, vulva is the better term. I know. I I see what they see, but also I kind, yeah, I I can see it, but I also don't. To be fair, it was less pink in real life. I think it's just the light. It's more the shape because also you made that. you made it longer so that yeah. it would cover you because yeah. in Europe you are the shield you're not yes. holding the shield you are the shield I am the shield which I very much enjoyed because it's like here have a prop and hold it yeah great I am Boring. the prop is so much better and it's so in tune with several others of your ops because remember when you were the pie oh yeah and jensen got the fork yes so i feel like this is fork me exactly i feel like this is kind of your brand it kind of is yes and i absolutely love it because like everybody can hand the actor a prop but being the prop is something different and i absolutely love it yep i'm setting the bar higher for myself with each one props to you (laughs) wow thank you i love it my little heart is bubbling with joy currently thank you so much really had to make sure i would laugh but then i would cough so i'm not gonna laugh (laughs) But believe I am laughing on the inside. So then Vero uh, made it to the hotel. She rejoined me. And together we started our fucking convention in Rome that we were also waiting for since the beginning of 2020. Like this was also supposed to happen back when COVID first started. And Uh I was so skeptical. I had no joy going into that event. And especially the first two days proved me so wrong. It was incredible the replacement guests that we got were absolutely fucking hilarious i'm still salty that i didn't get to meet carl urban don't get me wrong but i (laughs) somehow feel he would not be as funny as fucking alexander vaus was and that dude is pure maniacal chaos in the best kind of ways yes 
I said this to him and I'm gonna say it now again. He makes me want to go to events to hang out with him. Yeah, and he And is. he said, please do it because I want the money. Yes. And the thing is, he is at an event this year at Star Fury. Yes, he is. Yes, he is at Star Fury. For a show I have not watched a single episode of and I do nope. not intend to watch. Nope. Do I travel to the UK? For just one man. Maybe. It's like, I've got to have to check the calendar, but maybe. Listen, since this year the event is not in Scotland, but is in back in England. I mean, it's in August. I don't think we have any other events in August. Well, no, but I also <laughs> have a lot of other traveling. I am not going to lie. I have considered it. Just Also, the because... regular ticket is just 125. It's the cheapest of the regulars. Hmm. What date is it in August? Uh... Good question. August 4th to 6th. Not gonna happen for me. Oh, right. Good. So, uh, but Alexander Vlahos, he was an absolute gem. Of course, we knew Ricky was gonna be there. Ricky Whittle from American Gods and the 100. I, for some reason, paid a ridiculous amount to attend the meet and greet. Mm-hmm. Was it worth it? Yes and no. N- no as in, um, I don't think paying that much money for a meet and greet is ever justified. I don't know why mm. I did it, but... I did it in that moment, so I did it. Yes, because it was much smaller than sold. Um, Mm. We were maybe half of the amount, so it was fine. But also, it gave me an insight into Ricky that I didn't have before that. And it changes a bit of my perception of him. Not in a negative Mm. way, but... In a human way. Yeah. It's, uh, I still love him. Don't get me wrong. I still like every opportunity that you can meet this man. I absolutely recommend it. But it's still like, it was a, it was a very intimate fan meet. So that was wild. Um, yeah. Also, we talked a lot about sausages. Uh, so <laughs> the innuendo carried over from Lux to Jib because he was talking about breakfast and how he, Love sausage for breakfast. That it doesn't matter if it's many small sausages or fewer bigger sausages, and yeah, sausage everywhere. Yeah, and <sighs> stuff your face with sausage. And because I'm a fucking twelve year old, yeah. You Listen, know? stuff with stuff your face with sausage also brings me to uh, the Ricky and Alex panel where. I believe Alex was talking in grave detail because he not only was on Outlander, he was also on Versailles, I believe, yes. which I also haven't seen. But, but now uh, I need to my, watch it. <laughs> from my understanding, he plays a gay character and there is a lot of nudity in this show. Apparently, according to Alex, he has made a comment on uh, there being a lot of female frontal nudity and he, it feels disproportionate to the male nudity. So the writer's... <laughs> <laughs> made an opening like wrote an opening scene for him where he's at a male orgy and there's flaccid penis everywhere like around his face around his naked body and on his thighs and everything and basically that was his experience with that so you know speak just speaking of sausages you know bring yeah. comes to mind the way he talked about Versailles, though, I kind of really want to watch the show just because yeah. he seems to have such a great time filming it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of really want to watch it because if it was that much joy to do it, it can't be bad to watch, you know? Yes, it's going to come across on the screen, yes. Yeah, so I kind of really want to check it out. Otherwise, like for me, the two Gipland days were the absolute highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, as I've said before, Supernatural for me, I have lost a lot of joy, though I have regained like a minuscule 
amount. Back on it. Less, 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 less. Your fingers are far too far apart. Um, like like this, like this. Okay. That's very, very good for you to do that on the podcast. Uh, yes. Uh, like uh, one one segment of my little finger. Okay. That's, so so finger. That, 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 that amount. No, but um, it was still more fun than I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. The attendees were better than I expected them to be. I enjoyed this chip much more than I enjoyed chip 10. Mm. It's always better if you go into it kind of having and like knowing what to expect a little bit because Jib is such a different especially if you if we done Star Fury and Jib back to back Star Fury and Jib is such a different experience and such oh, a yeah. different approach yeah. even with the amount of like places where you can uh, socialize uh, the you know type of people that are there and the reasons why are there why they're there and the way the convention is structured as well it is just a completely different experience so as long as you have expectation that matches what you're gonna get your experience is bound to be better yeah I, like the expectation management definitely made a difference also the better pass made a difference um, oh yeah but also it was smaller than Jip 10 it was it was, it was it felt, not full mm, yeah, it, it felt more intimate because of that. Um, I did a few things that I didn't do at Chip 10. Like I did the welcome party for Chipland, which I absolutely fucking enjoyed. Um, and seeing my name tag stickers all, all over certain Instagrams was so fucking hilarious to me. Like it's such a tiny, stupid thing with the named stickers, mm-hmm. but there is so much joy to be had with those, and I'm so glad I started bringing those to basically everything I go to. Mm-hmm. So there, there were so many joyful moments in there. Of course, there were also fucking ridiculous moments. And like, if you people are not into supernatural, I still recommend looking up the pictures of the fucking free couch cushions that we had on stage because, like, wow, I, I don't understand fashion. I will never understand fashion, and especially I have never understood Gucci or Louis Vuitton or all of those that do mm-hmm. these uh, repetitive tiny um, prints yep I've never I mean it can those. look good but it needs to no. be very specific and not in those not those specific prints and not in that specific color coding it just looked horrendous it looked like a grandma yeah. couch you have to go to work so to Indeed, wrap this up this is going to come out when we have come back from our very next event which no surprise is yet another supernatural event because we are us. <laughs> and when we said about a year ago that we are not doing supernatural events anymore, we lied. Well, the last one we to, did, to the last one was a leftover. I got bullied into this one. Given what we know about the hotel, I am so skeptical. My expectations are so low. So. I kind of think it can't get worse than it's in my brain. When we record the next time, we will be talking about this as well. We will be talking about Vero hanging out with Shoops, probably. Probably, yeah. He is flying in tomorrow. And Vero will be gushing about Shadow and Bone Season 2. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh my god. And Vero will have been in Budapest for I'm very some reason. Excited. Why, why yeah, are you? to watch the because we're we're going to Budapest to watch the season two of Shadow and Bone. What? So me and four other people are renting an Airbnb and we're gonna watch it together in the place that they made it, and then we're gonna walk around and find places where they made it. You are incredible. 
I am very excited about that. I am very hype about it because the content that they've been releasing over the last few weeks is getting better and better and better. And I'm super fucking hype, which I was not about a month ago. I was not at all. I was very worried and unhappy about a lot of things that they have chosen to do for season two. But also that means maybe next time we record, we might know even something about a convention a certain company called Star Fury might be doing for this show. So I am very, very excited in general. <laughs> We're not doing Shadow and Bone for the podcast. Just uh, putting that out there. Although it would kind of fit our format because it's based on a book. And it's definitely not- the season two is loosely based on the book. Yeah. No. Good. So, and with this, we say thank you guys for listening to this uh, very rambly episode. But the first hour was very structured. So I hope that makes up for it. Thank you so much. And don't forget to follow us on our social media. We have Instagram. We have Twitter. We do have Facebook, but we don't use it. So no, oh, I, I think we retired that ages ago. So <laughs> with this, we and say please. two, oh. one. <laughs> Bye. Bye.